0: Unveiling the secrets A list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Nathan. How about yourself?
0: I'm good. I'm excited to be back on the podcast with you and we've got an episode that the topic you're going to be talking about. I feel so guilty about this because I feel like I'm going to um, lose all of my copywriting credibility, but I am completely ignorant to the to the subject at hand on today's episode. So I'm going to hand it over to you and hopefully I'll, I'll be able to keep up with you this week.
1: Well, thanks. I mean, I I think what you might lose is your couch potato credibility because you'd have to watch a lot of TV. Well, let me let me jump into this. All right. Among those of us who do watch cable television, everyone's favorite copywriter bad boy is Don Draper of the show Mad Men, along with his secretary who became a copywriter and later a copy chief, the big agency, Peggy Olson. Don Draper is the reason for this first edition of the fictional Old Masters series. They're fictional people. But a lot of factual research went into creating those characters, and I was able to pick out a few gems from the hours and hours of dialogue they spoke on the show. My goal today is to make that useful as, well, maybe a little entertaining. And I would be remiss if my goal were not also to tell you That copy is powerful and you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So to talk about madmen. We really have to begin with Matt Weiner. The show was his brainchild. Now, Weiner was not an ad man or a copywriter, much less a madman. In fact, he was a cable TV drama writer. He wrote the pilot for Mad Men on spec in 1999. And David Chase, who was doing The Sopranos for HBO at the time, was so impressed with the script that he hired Weiner to write an executive produce for The Sopranos. Weiner joined the team and had a lot of success, and eight years later, in 2007, Weiner got his show with Mad Men. The first episode of Mad Men launched six weeks after the last episode of The Sopranos, but on a different cable network, on AMC. Mad Men won tons of awards, and it continued for eight years to 2015. I bring all of this history up because it leads to an important question. Considering that it was fiction, how authentic was Mad Men compared to real Madison Avenue advertising? To answer that question, let's turn to the acclaimed high drama fiction producer Alfred Hitchcock. Way back in the day, right? Weiner has said that Hitchcock was a major influence on him, and Hitchcock was a much stronger believer in facts than most people would expect. There was a book in 1967 called Hitchcock Truffaut, where Francois Truffaut, you know, the film director, is interviewing Hitchcock and he says, Hitchcock says, what is drama after all, but life with all the dull bits cut out? So he's pretty much saying that drama should be close to real life, but not real life because drama should never be boring. And Weiner seems to have adopted that attitude. The scenes from Mad Men were artistically enhanced, for sure. But they weren't from a different universe than the one we live in. Weiner did a lot of research. And he acknowledged in interviews that the character Don Draper, the main character, the copywriter, the creative director, was based in part on a famous real Chicago copywriter, Draper Daniels. Here's something that Draper Daniels wrote. Now. At last, the new amazing, gem of genius slowly blazing, the one man who without a doubt knows what this business is about, the man who screams when words are changed, that all the changers are deranged. Still, were he quieter or politer, he wouldn't be a copywriter. (laughs) So before we dive into the takeaways, let me introduce you to our two fictional old masters. Don Draper. He begins the show as the creative director and junior partner of a Madison Avenue agency in New York. He's a hard drinker and a chain smoker. He has some deep secrets in his past and a lot of sex partners besides his wife. Not exactly what you would call a Boy Scout back in the day. He was also what we call a genius copywriter. He had an uncanny knack for coming up with really good advertising ideas and We'll be focusing more on his copywriter chops in this show and less on his lifestyle. Peggy Olson started out as Draper's secretary and the first show It was her first day on the job and she moved up to becoming a copywriter where she got her own office with a door that closed. And that may sound trite to you, but I worked in a big Rockefeller Center building in New York, very close to where the fictional madman office supposedly was. And I had an office with a door that closed. And some of the other writers I worked with Didn't. Not only was it status to have a door that closed, but it made a huge difference when you needed to concentrate and write something. But Peggy went beyond being a copywriter with her own office. She became a copy chief at a large agency. Draper was always pushing Peggy to be better. For as broken a man as he was in that era, his behavior could be called supportive. When he switched agencies, he asked her to go with him. In her character on the show, you can see how difficult it was for women at the time, but even so, how it was possible to grow and succeed. Okay, that's a lot of background, isn't it, Nathan? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I have watched the show now that I've gone through this. Well, I'll tell you a secret just between you and me and all the listeners. I watched the first show last night and part of the last show, so I'm, I'm really into it. It's, it's living in me again. I did watch the whole thing way back in the day. All right. Takeaways. First takeaway from Don. People will show you who they are, but we ignore it because we want them to be who we want them to be. This one's interesting because in a way, it clearly highlights the difference between mass market brand advertising and niche focused direct marketing copy. Look at it this way. Imagine we're at a Las Vegas casino. The Don Drapers of the world are all gathered together in the high limit room betting their clients' money at $500 a spin on the Wheel of Fortune slot machine. Meanwhile, over at the blackjack table, the direct marketing copywriters are quietly counting cards and hoping nobody notices, and most of the time they're getting away with it. most important difference, of course, is the risk and the size of the jackpot. The Don Drapers won't hit the jackpot often, but when they do, the prize is so large it nearly bankrupts the casino. The direct marketers get small, steady wins. Their individual winnings are smaller, but they win a lot more often. That's because the Don Drapers are doing what I call aspirational advertising, while the direct marketers are doing what I'd call, and I'm going to coin a new phrase here, identificational marketing. As direct marketers, we often, we hopefully make every effort to see people as they are, and sell them what they want. The branders often see people as they could be and try and sell them that way. What's the difference? It all comes down to deliberate empathy. When I was in my graduate coaching certificate program at Fielding, we spent a lot of time studying and practicing the techniques that make up the work of the psychologist, Carl Rogers. Here's what Rogers said about empathy in his book, A Way of Being. Entering the private perceptual world of the other and becoming thoroughly at home in it. It means temporary living in his or her life and moving about it delicately without making judgment. I couldn't find anything or not about whether Dr. Rogers used drugs, (laughs) but you don't have to use drugs to practice empathy the way he described it. You just need to be focused and use your imagination. Now, what Rogers described is a far cry from ignoring who people really are because you want them to be who you want them to be. That said, it's not truly a neat, tidy division between branding and direct as I just described it. There's some overlap. After all, big ad agencies still do customer research and some of it's very good. And sometimes they even use what they find out in their ads. And direct marketers sometimes suggest goals and transformations in people's lives that those people may never have thought of on their own. But I would say, for the most part, the distinctions still hold.
0: Uh, it feels like, to me, the way that direct marketers approach things is we say, what is it that people want to buy? Who is it that wants to buy it? And what message is going to connect with them? And then, and so that's uh, accepting people that the way that they are. And then brand marketers are like, how can we beat people over the head with our message until they like our product? And so, yeah, there's, there's a very, uh, almost polar opposite approach to advertising between brand marketing and direct marketing.
1: Yeah, there, there is. So let's, let's move on to the second takeaway now and it will be obvious who comes from by the words of the quote, I'm Peggy Olson and I want to smoke some marijuana. (laughs) Peggy was not the most dramatically extreme character in Mad Men. That was definitely Don. But she was the most interesting character. Of everyone there, Peggy had what Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck would call a growth mindset. Peggy, more than anyone else, she really struggled to grow and she did. I'm not saying smoking weed was the reason why, it wasn't. And sure, for all you cannabis connoisseurs out there, It was an interesting quote, an interesting moment. But remember this it was the 1960s. Smoking pot was illegal and very avant garde. And Peggy worked in advertising in New York, surely one of the hippest, most avant garde things to do at the time, depending on who you talk to. In marketing, we look for people who are visionaries, who are the early adopters, people ahead of the crowd. They send up signal flares, giving us hints of what's to come. Peggy was one of those people. And I would say that early adopters and growth mindset people, a lot overlap, for sure. Um, Now, in 2021, we just became legal in New York. That's almost 60 years later. So the actress who played Peggy this year is actually 38. But the fictional Peggy would be a great grandma today, sitting on her porch in the Hudson Valley watching the clouds drift by any thoughts on that marijuana or otherwise uh i kind of want to roll up a joint now (laughs) the power of advertising hey let me ask you a question does it take you too long to write your copy and if it does have you ever wished you had a proven system to write it faster well if that describes you then you'll want to know about high-speed copywriting this is a home study program that has helped a lot of people write profitable sales letters in as little as five hours. No, it's not a bunch of shortcut tricks that leaves you with cookie cutter sales letters that people can ignore. It's about writing full-fledged, memorable response-getting sales letters much faster than it usually takes. It's tested and proven too. High-speed copywriting will ease you through putting together an original, powerful sales letter and putting it together in record time. You can find out more at HighSpeedCopywriting.com. By the way, this is one of the very few programs that Bond and Kevin Halbert have given their Halbert Seal of Approval to. So check it out today, HighSpeedCopywriting.com. Thank you, and now back to our show. So um, the third third quote is back to Don. He says, "If you don't like what's being said, change the conversation." So in a recent season of the show Ray Donovan on Showtime. The lead character, Ray, starts out each show by answering the question, what do you do with, I change the story. All kinds of Hall of Mirrors stuff and levels of interpretation in those words. Just in case you don't know the show, Donovan was a Michael Cohen with guns and crowbars, a high-level fixer who wasn't afraid to get his hands bloody. Of course, Don Draper was not a thug himself. I mean, after all, he was a copywriter. Come on, man. But in a nonviolent way, he's talking about the same thing when he says, if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. Draper's talking about exerting influence by taking control of the narrative, just in a non-coercive way. If you think about it, <clears throat> this is the great power we have as copywriters. In fact, it may be the only real power we have that sets us apart, say, from most other writers, the power to influence and persuade. Now, I know a copywriter who became a cop, for real, but once he joined the police department, he was no longer a copywriter. The skill to persuade and influence has many dimensions to it and many ways of being used, but make no mistake, it's tremendously important, and as copywriters, it's our stock and trade.
0: Society-wise, I feel like the skills that copywriters have as far as conversations go and influence goes, I wish more people had. Because a lot, especially with like the rise of social media and mass communications, um, there's a lot of arguing and there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of trying to shame people and manipulate people, but there's not as much emphasis on influence. And I think that influence is one of the best skills that I've gotten in my communication from copywriting is the fact that I no longer want to force people to go along with my way, uh, but I do want to plant seeds and I do want to uh, influence them. And I think that with a lot of the, and this is totally a different side rant, but with a lot of how divisive almost everything in society has, got, has become, some of the skills, especially the influence skills that we as copywriters have would serve society as a whole so much right now. And I just wish that instead of just fighting and yelling and screaming and, and calling names, people would learn about influence because uh, for me, it's been a life changer. And for the world at large, I think it's something that not just copywriters, but everybody out there should, should take some time and, and uh, focus on and, and learn a little bit more about.
1: Yeah, that's good. I mean, wouldn't it be a goof if copywriters became the heroes of this age?
0: Yeah, well, maybe 40 years from now, they'll make a TV show about how copywriters turned society around and got us back on track.
1: Uh, I hope I'm still around. Okay, um, <clears throat> that sounds good. So let's do our next takeaway from Don Draper. And he said, make it simple, but significant. This is important. One reason it's so important is. Simple and significant phrases go beyond the superficial critical mind into the deeper part of the mind where preferences are set and buying decisions are made. Now, how do you come up with something simple but significant? You could try the Mad Libs approach, just start throwing crap up against the wall, brainstorm random words until you get something that looks cool. But there's a better way. And I call it the three I formula. One, input. Two, intuition. Three, iteration. Let me explain. The first step, input, is pretty straightforward. Take in as much information as you can, including what your intention is to convey about the company, product, service, etc. Overconsume information if you can. Step one. Step two means some waiting. This is intuition. Waiting, probably doing something else, especially something fun, maybe not disabling your brain with intoxicants, though. You can save that till later, but walking, biking, watching TV, reading, music, playing with kids, all good. Intuition, letting your intuition work on its own by distracting your conscious mind. And step three is really important iteration. It means not settling on the first idea that you get keep letting them come and refine the ones that look good. The reason most people don't iterate is confidence. If they're overconfident, and I've been guilty of this, they think their idea is so damn good that they're done. If they're underconfident, and I've been guilty of this too, they'll think, oh my God, I finally came up with one idea. Better use that one. Don't know if I'll ever get another one. The solution to both overconfidence and underconfidence is patience. Confident patience is even better. Give yourself enough time to find the right idea and enough time to refine it. Thoughts before we move on to our fifth takeaway?
0: Yeah. So on social media and using memes, I use memes a lot in my advertising, and this is very important. You want to be able to convey a big idea with just maybe seven or eight words sometimes and in order to do that it takes all three of these steps you have to you have to come up with it but you have to kind of let it mill around in your subconscious and then you have to actually give it some thought and make sure um when people see this is it going to convey the message and copywriting a lot of times is about editing and when you're editing down to a single post that has to fit within like on social media now if it's too long you get the little see more dot 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 or on memes you want to be able to convey it with just like two sentences or one sentence being able to do that is an art form but once you've got it down your your ability to communicate your ability to get people's attention uh especially in the fast paced world is uh, drastically improved so it's something that i think that besides what you just said look at memes and look at what makes memes work and um, and apply that with what you just said. And you'll, you'll be able to take your, uh, your copywriting skills to a whole new level.
1: Well, well, thank you. That's great. And I I want, you know, you sparked an idea, a question in me Um, when you were doing hip hop, um, did you use the same process? Did you listen to a lot of songs and then let it, you know, Your intuition, work on it, and then write something and then refine it?
0: Oh, it's the exact same process.
1: Very cool. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, All right. So our fifth takeaway from Don. Just think about it, then forget it, and an idea will jump up in your face. Now, this sounds a little lib, but I think what Don Draper is saying in shorthand, just think about it, then forget it, an idea will jump up in your face, is describing the best way to create really good copy. So if the big idea creation method is what we just talked about before, the three I method, like an inverted pyramid, where you start with a wide breadth of information and then you boil it down to a few keywords, then this process, think about it deeply, forget it, an idea will jump in your face. This process is more about taking a big mess of information and organizing it into a journey not an inverted pyramid, but a journey for your prospect to take. And guess what's at the end of the journey? They buy something, they make a purchase. And the creative process for this is not all that different. What's different is the outcome, what you end up creating as a result of the process. You end up with this process, writing a lot of words. And you know, as direct marketers, we write generally more words than the big ad agencies do. But You end up writing a lot of words in a carefully crafted sequence to get your prospect to believe and to take action instead of like with a big idea or a meme, um, coming up with a few words that really touch and inspire your prospect. So when Don Draper says, think about it deeply, first part of this, that could include research and outlining the flow of your sales letter. The next step of the process is a period of gestation, letting it grow inside you. And then boom, it all comes together in your mind and you start writing. So instead of input, intuition, inspiration, the three I's for your big idea, look at it this way for a copy itself. Research, relax, and write. It's good advice. I've seen this work many times for myself and my clients. And that's the last takeaway.
0: For me, what happens sometimes, and this is so frustrating, is two o'clock in the morning, I'll wake up and that's when the gestation period has finally come to fruition or eight o'clock in the morning and I'm taking a shower and then bam, the idea hits me. <laughs> what, do you, what do you suggest? Because when you, you're, you're over there nodding your head, I'm assuming that I'm not the only one that this has happened to.
1: As John Lennon said, you're not the only one. No, this happens to all of us. Um, Well, the answer is, you know, have a recording device wherever you go, whether it's index cards and a pen or, you know, smartphone with just push the record button. I've even heard of uh, I've never actually done this, but um, I've I've even heard of waterproof whiteboards that people put in their showers. And, you know, another thing I can suggest is meditation for this reason. Somehow I've, I've found after I I used to meditate a lot then I stopped entirely and I started in the last year and I meditate every day just for 10 minutes, but I meditate my memory's better. I'm able to hold more ideas in my mind, like when I'm taking a shower or something, I mean, if it's the middle of the night, you probably better write it down Mm -hmm. and, but, uh, yeah, I mean, capture the idea, um, one way or the other, um, You know, Winston Churchill used to get really drunk, sit in his bath, and then dictate to a secretary, because that's how he got his ideas. So all kinds of ways to do it. But yeah, capture it, I guess, is the short answer. So I'm going to hire a
0: secretary to be there at 2.30 in the morning, and then in the bathroom when I'm showering, I think is what you're trying to say. Yes, Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right, awesome. David, a fantastic episode. And now I think I am going to take the time and invest in watching Mad Men because this, this episode has sold me on it. Uh, if people want to invest and take the time in listening to more episodes of the podcast, where's the best place to go?
1: Copywriterspodcast.com. Awesome.
0: And until next time, we will catch you later.
1: See you later. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app so we can get into ears of more listeners. Thank you. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.